0: Graham Roundtree has been announced as uh, the new coach of Monster Rugby.
1: That was such a big momentum changer for me.
2: The Red 78 with Alan Quillen and Niamh Briggs. Subscribe to the Rugby channel on the OTB Sports app and turn on your notifications now.
0: Delighted to welcome Matt Williams back to the show. Matt, good morning to you. How are you getting on?
2: Morning, Alan. Morning, Johnny. Very, very good. Thanks, mate. How's yourself?
0: Yeah, very well. We were just having a chat there about some of the greatest fly in the wall sports documentaries. You strike me as somebody who'd be uh, a good appreciator of a good documentary. What's up there for you, sports-wise?
2: Oh, gee, look, there's so many, isn't it? I love the 30 from 30s. And, and uh, you know, the the one on Jack Charlton last year was, uh, was quite mm. magnificent. There's uh, th- there's so many great ones out there. The uh, the all or nothing series too is brilliant. I think that's the closest one to reality that I've seen. Yeah. The one on the the Dallas Cowboys is uh, that series on the Dallas Cowboys is is very very close to uh, taking people into what it's like in a in a day to day professional team. Uh,
0: we will get to Champions Cup in just a sec. but just on that point, like that that access and and the relationship that rugby has with that access at the moment it is in a really interesting place. Like if you watch the Champions Cup on BT, for example, you're getting in-game interviews from the likes of Stephen Larkham, for example, you're getting that footage of Graham Roundtree, uh, you know, telling a few home truths to that monster scrum, I think at halftime in that first leg against Exeter a few weeks ago. As a sport, it does pretty well in terms of giving those insights.
2: Yeah, it's not something I particularly liked. I was always asked <laughs> that all the time, and I just said, no, no yeah. way. I used to actually uh, walk into the change room, and they put a, put a camera up in the change room, which I thought I think is really wrong. i get a piece of paper and just blue tacker straight over the top of the camera. <laughs> Maybe they'd, the always same. Want, they'd always want to have, to have a camera on you all the time. They're just waiting for that gotcha moment too. So, look, I think the game's changing. People want that that part of it more and more. Um, there, there's difficulties with it because you're saying things that are private that all of a sudden become public, like when you talk to your players at halftime or you have to say something quite strong to them. Um, you're don't. You you know, you're saying that personally, and to for that to get out into the public, um, it does cause problems within a group. So I think there's a, there's a balance of what people want to see and you, how you keep your relationships within, within the group and, and what has to be said because with it, there's, I think it's the thing that perhaps Michael Jordan um, in, in, in that wonderful documentary series that I've watched three times brings across more than anyone else is that winners are brutally honest. And when you're part of a really successful team, I've been fortunate to be in a couple of really successful teams. The honesty is just so brutal. It forges really strong relationships that last your lifetime. But most people would think that that's being um, disrespectful to people. Did you and watch? It's not- Sorry, Matt. Sorry, Matt. Did, you,
1: did you watch the Did you watch the Where's Your Pride documentary last year?
2: No, I, I didn't
1: yeah cuz you have got to watch that like i'm not even into rugby but like what ireland winning those two triple crowns in the, in the early 80s when the country was in in a really bad way in terms of people emigrating and that and i guess man, well, it's just from a different era but like the 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 rugby that ireland played um innovative rugby at that time and also just what it did for the nation in a decrepit land's role with like the place gone absolutely nuts definitely should be on your bucket list
2: yeah look and i I'm friends with a number of guys from that era and that team. Uh, You know, Willie Anderson is a great mate of mine. I was very blessed to work with Kieran Fitzgerald for many years and just one of the most wonderful men you'd ever like to meet in an encyclopedic rugby mind and Hugo McNeil and so many of those guys I've I've met and got to know over the years. And the, the bond and the forge between those men um, is, is quite extraordinary and what they've done in the rest of their lives with rugby also tells you so much about them but th- I think they're very aware of of what they were involved in at the time uh, it, it was a tragedy we well, don't have tragedies in sport it was a great disappointment they didn't win a grand slam because that, that team certainly deserved it
0: For sure um, we haven't had you on since the Champions Cup round of 16 Matt. and I think it's fair to say maybe you were a, a bit sceptical about how the two-legged affairs would actually go did your mind change at all after some of the drama you saw on the second legs of those last 16 matches?
2: No, not, not, at, not at all. I'm more convinced than ever. Right. Uh, I think if I could put it to your listeners in this, imagine, imagine we're talking about the, uh, the, the, the Masters that's just been on that we were all up watching at night. That was wonderful. Imagine on Saturday night, it, the, the Masters committee says, listen, by the way, uh, we're going to make a very small cut, maybe, maybe 15% of the players, you're not going to play on Sunday. But now everyone's off scratch. So what's gone on, on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday doesn't count. It's whoever wins on Sunday. And some bloke who's, who's been 10 over has the round of his life. And another guy who's been nine under all, all all week, all the three days, he's back to zero and he loses by a stroke. That's what we had. Like Munster, Munster – uh, sorry, uh, Ulster won five games and lost one and knocked out by Toulouse who won two games. Uh you, you come down to um, on, on the other side of of that. You had Harlequins, the same thing, five and one. They won five games, lost one. By uh, in in Montpellier, Montpellier had won two. They go through. That's not that's not a, a fair, anything near uh, an even uh, playing field. Now we're in a COVID year, and there was people, there's a reasons for this. Okay, I I get it, but that cannot stand. That cannot go on where you can have Teams that can win one or two games all season that come to the full round of 16, and they knock out a team that loses one game all year. So it just doesn't hold up on any scale of of a meritocracy that all sporting competitions, in whatever laws they have and whatever scores they have, uh, it sustains them, it gives them value. Uh, there, there's a couple of teams there, you know, Montpellier shouldn't be in that final 16 and, and to lose. And I'm, I'm great fans of how they play. Don't get me wrong, I love watching Toulouse play. I've I'm, I'm, I'm been, a, been a great supporter of that club and an admirer of that club. But they did not perform in this competition for a whole lot of reasons. And they've been given a, a free pass because of COVID. Okay, we, we can accept it this year. I think they'll all, whoever wins this year, uh, unless it's uh, one of the teams that has won a lot of games like Leinster, there'll be a question mark on it. But next year, that can't stand. It, you, you can't have that type of format that undermines the credibility of the competition. I,
1: I think, um, like from a football perspective, Matt, on this just very briefly, like um, you've had in the League of Ireland, you've had two teams go up from the First Division into the Premier Division who were totally ill-equipped for the job over the, in the playoffs by, by complete fluke um, over the last two years. And in English football, how they think it's an acceptable system that it's a two-legged playoff between third and sixth, you finish third, you finish way ahead of sixth, and you have a two-legged playoff, which is not meritocracy at all. How is it not like a one-off game played uh, at the home of the team that finished third give them the advantage? So as much as you want to make it exciting, as Matt says, like what you're just throwing away everything that happened throughout the year to make it into this situation. Mm. It's, it's, yeah, go, go ahead, Matt.
2: Well, I was just going to say, the, the thing that should occur what, what, what is, is the quarterfinals in the Heineken Cup is the best weekend of club rugby in the year because you've got eight quality teams playing four games across the weekend. Now, if they made the quarterfinals home and away, that would be wonderful because there's two great legs of teams... That, can make, that have made the quarterfinals, as long as it's a meritocracy that gets you to the quarterfinals. Now, the problem is that the meritocracy has been taken out of the competition by that. So what is the advantage? And, and if, we, if we spin this back, let's put our cynical caps on. I know you can't believe you can be cynical in rugby or sport. The French and English clubs, if you put this system to them, they're not going to care about the, um, the 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 pool stages. They're just going to play, play seconds teams. So we'll, we've we just got to make sure we can make the cut, and the cut, uh, from from the from the pool stages to the round of 16 was so minimal um, uh, that they could win literally one game, as as happened to Stade Français. One game got them into the round of 16. Now Stade Français, at one stage against Racing 92, were leading that game and were were in front. Now justice came through and Racing won. Racing had won five games to the last game. Stade Français had won one yet they were looting in, in that other game and they would have gone through. Mm. So it, it, every, the, the, the French and English clubs don't like the European Cup as a whole because that it takes away from the focus on the top 14 and their premiership in England. So this system that would allow them to sneak into where the money is, so let's come back to the round of 16 for money, that's what they would do. Money was to be made in the round of 16. Now, I get it. Everyone's lost a lot of money because of COVID. They had to generate money. Clubs, this is a way for everyone to get a home game to generate money. I get all that, and I, I can understand it in a COVID year. But for the integrity of the competition to go forward, you can't do this. I came out of Super Rugby. When Super Rugby was going, I just, I was just watching um, the, the – um, uh, United Championship, with the Irish team's playing in South Africa. When I was in South Africa, and I, uh, Andy Friend was with me, the Connaught coach in South Africa, 20 years ago, the stadiums we played at were packed. There were 30,000, 40,000 people, 50,000 at um, uh, the Old Ellis Park, the Emirates Stadium, now in Johannesburg. They are empty. They are empty last weekend. It was so sad to see it because of uh, administrators mucking around and tinkering and changing. What were wonderful competitions? The Heineken Cup is the best competition in the world. If they, club, club competition that is, if they keep tinkering with this and doing what they're doing and it loses its integrity, it'll go the same way as super rugby and what we're seeing in South Africa at the moment, which is no one going to, to club rugby, which was once so thriving in that country.
0: Probably a good jumping off point then just to talk a little bit uh, about Connacht. There's really interesting thoughts on on the the tournament format and what they actually do from here. But just on Connacht and I guess the, the win in South Africa... Uh, last weekend it's it's an interesting time for them given I guess the mood music was quite down on Connacht after getting hammered by Leinster the week beforehand and this idea of how did they get to the next level within uh, the four tier Irish provinces almost so w- what do you see as the immediate future for Connacht like what sort of business can they do in the off season and what can they be targeting over the next one or two seasons do you think
2: well I I'm, I'm talking I'm not talking of it I text Andy friends straight after the game and I don't do it very often because I don't like getting in coaches is, even though they're friends. I just said that was an historic win. That That's something. To win at Ellis Park at mm. any time, any team that wins at Ellis Park at that altitude where it is, the difficulties of that throws up. And I know I've been there, I think I've been there five or six times with different teams, emerging Wallabies, Waratahs um, and, and then through Super Rugby. It is such a difficult place to go and win. And for Connacht to go down there after getting their backsides handed to them by Leinster you know, in, in that game at the Aviva. For them to find a way to win at Ellis Park is one of the club's great wins. That really must be so infuriating for Andy and for connaught supporters and the players is, is they're so up and down. They're, they're just so inconsistent. But that is what a young team developing does. They are inconsistent. They'll have great wins, great performances, and a couple of weeks later, they'll be absolutely terrible. Uh, and look at what... Connaught did after their their heroics playing against Munster. They then go over to Edinburgh and play. Absolutely shocking. They played brilliantly at the Sports Ground against Leinster, and they're appalling at uh, at the Aviva. Then they go to Ellis Park, one of the hardest places in the world, and and just for the, again, for your listeners, like because of the altitude, the oxygen, you just don't get enough oxygen there. It takes your body uh, a couple of weeks to to get used to playing in that altitude. And, um, you know, so much so that you can kick the ball maybe 15 metres further than you would at sea level. You, you can see Jack Carty was just, just – uh, his contacts with the ball were just absolutely magnificent it was flying through the air. That's what happens at altitude. So that is a young team, it, it, to answer your question, it's easy. It's, it's 101. It is their defence. Their defence is killing them. Even in, the, in that game at Ellis Park when uh, the Lions took a quick tap they're all still talking and looking at the referee, backs turn, and it was like something in the under-10s. Like uh, the Lions took a quick tap and just ran over the try line. After all their heroic work, all the work they've done, they let in a try as as ridiculously simple as that. Their defense against Leinster was really poor. Their systems are wrong, and the player's commitment at times is wrong. Now, where does that start with? Well, I think the coach, the defensive coaching has to really be looked at. The system they're using, they're very vulnerable to kicks coming through because uh, in behind their, their their back three system is really poor, I think. But if you look at them, they're scoring a lot of points, uh, but they're just letting in far too much. And at this level, your defence is your foundation. If you haven't got your defence right, you're dead. And that's unfortunately what's happened to Connor. They they can match it. Andy came out and said that he didn't believe uh, you know Leicester were that far in front of them and and uh, you know a lot of people said oh that's not true Leicester have got a great setup and great teams but they're not that far in front but Connor's defense is a long way behind and inconsistently behind and until they fix that they're going to struggle
0: just very quickly Matt before you wrap is there a chance that Andy friend has a another Rabbit to pull out of a hat, almost if you can use that phrase, with regards to somebody like Mac Hansen coming into into the team, because it seems like it's that sort of knowledge that he has that is a point of difference compared to some of the Irish provinces and something that might be able to elevate them relative to resources.
2: For sure, look, you know, on great on big days, you need your great players to play great. So you got you need more high quality players in your side. There's no two ways about that. And he tells a beautiful story about Mac Hansen because he's uh, from the same town from Canberra where Andy's from. And he said one of his friends owned a bar, and he rang him up and said, I've got this bloke called Mac Hanson's been coming into this bar here. He's Irish qualified. And he said, what's he like? He said, he's pretty loose. He said, oh, I like loose. Give him my phone number. So that was (laughs) was his recruitment method. Now, I'm sure he's he's, uh, telling a bit of a tale there, but you you do need quality players, um, and you need to recruit them in and obviously put quality players that are Irish qualified. Are even better. Um, I think Andy, you know, he's such a good operator and the players obviously respect him and, and enjoy. I heard you talk about Mick McCarthy there, the word respect. Mick's a lovely human being. When you get, oh, I've had the privilege of meeting him a number of times over the years. He's, you know, when you meet you, you meet people like Andy and Mick, you, you come away with the, the feeling of the decency and the humility of the men. And when you're that sort of uh, coach, that attracts players. That they want to work with good people. So hopefully they can.
0: Absolutely. Uh, Matt Williams, greatest ever chatting to you. Thanks Millie for hopping on the line. Pleasure now. Cheers. Matt Williams there, chatting rugby. OTBAM brought to you live each morning by Gillette Labs for an effortless finish to your day.